Sanctification is a process where the new person created by our union with Christ is continually transformed and renewed. We are continually enabled to more and more die to sin and grow in grace and progress in holiness. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 18 as we will read God's word from this passage of scripture in just a moment. Before we do that, let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your good work of grace in our lives. We thank you that you are working in us today, conforming us more and more to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Even though this process, O oh Lord, will not be completed this side of heaven, yet we have every assurance that you will complete in us that which you have begun when we stand before you in glory. We will be perfectly in the image of your Son, entirely sanctified. But till then, O oh Lord, enable us to understand the work of sanctification and give ourselves wholly to it, enabled by your grace. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and, or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be proud, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Thus far the word of the Lord, you may be seated. Just before moving to uh, Little Rock in 1989, I was part of a short-term mission trip to Jamaica. And during that trip, we stayed with a Jamaican pastor and his family. And this particular pastor embraced the doctrine of entire sanctification, or some people call it the doctrine of perfectionism. And so he believed that as a regenerate person, that he had reached a point in his life where he had attained victory over the dominion of sin, and because of that, he no longer sinned. He viewed himself as being entirely sanctified this side of heaven. And so we need to ask the question, and I remember as a just recent graduate from seminary and really still in the, very much in the process of sharpening my theological understanding, can a regenerate person reach a state of sinless perfection in this life? Now let me say very clearly and right up front that the Bible 
and our confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith, particularly in chapter 13, which is in the back of your hymnal, clearly answer that question, no. A regenerate person cannot reach a state of sinless perfection in this life. Aren't we glad? The answer is no. The doctrine of sanctification teaches the regenerate person is a new creation in Christ. A regenerate person in union with Christ is no longer under sin's dominion. But the regenerate person is not sinless. At the same time, a regenerate person is being transformed and renewed in the likeness of Christ while continuing to battle sin. I saw a sign on a restaurant, and the sign in very large letters said this, or read like this, we are remodeling, please excuse our mess. And I thought of hanging such a sign on me that would read, I am being sanctified. Please excuse my mess. The means or the process of sanctification is messy. A new person in Christ is being continually transformed and renewed in the likeness of Christ by being enabled by God the Holy Spirit to more and more die to sin and live unto righteousness. And the process is never fully completed in this life. And the process spans the entire life of the Christian. I am being sanctified. Please excuse my mess. As we continue this series, Saved to the Uttermost, we come now to the doctrine of sanctification, in case you haven't figured that out yet. And sanctification is part of the logical order of God's saving work. And we're appealing to Philippians chapter 2 and verses 12 through 18 to guide us today in considering the doctrine of sanctification, primarily looking at the three exhortations that Paul gives in this passage. Work out, do all, and be glad. And you'll find these three headings on your sermon outline on page 7. So work out, verses 12 through 13. This is Paul's first exhortation where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, verse 12. Well, what does Paul mean by the term salvation? So if you turn to the sermon outline on page 7, you'll find at the bottom of that outline a chart. And I've had this chart in the bulletin for a number of weeks now because it, it depicts the, the, the scope of this sermon series. It depicts what theologians call the order of salvation or the logical ordering of salvation. And today, just note that we are looking at this process that is designated there on the right-hand side of that chart. And so when we think of salvation, and I've heard people speak in terms of salvation, 
they, they often think about it very narrowly. They think of salvation as I am saved. That is to say that at some point I confess my sins and turn to Jesus and ask him in, into my heart. They're thinking more in terms of what we would call conversion, re, repentance unto life and believing to the saving of one's soul, conversion. But yet you'll see it and the chart and all that we've said thus far should make it clear that, that salvation is a process. It includes everything that you see labeled on this chart and taught in God's word. And so I, I want to make a distinction here. That as believers, we're able to say, I was saved. We're able to say that in eternity past, that God chose me to be saved. And he ordained the means to save me. He ordained that I would hear the gospel as part of his saving work. He ordained that at a point in time that, that the Holy Spirit would regenerate me and give me a new heart. That just like Bruce read in Ezekiel 36, that, that new heart where God takes that heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of, of flesh and effectually call me to be in union with the Lord Jesus Christ, to be united to Christ in, in saving faith. He did all that to save me. He enabled me to respond to that outward call of the gospel, respond accordingly to that new heart, that new nature that I have in regeneration by repenting unto life and believing unto the saving of my soul that I would be saved. And through that gift of faith, God justified me to be saved. And as we talked about last week, he adopted me to be saved. So I can say, and you can say, that I, we, was, were saved. But that's not all. I can say, you can say, I've been a Christian a long time. And I can say today, I am being saved. And how can I say that? Well, I can say that because those united to Christ in saving faith, those justified, those adopted, are being saved in the process called sanctification and will persevere in that process to the end. We'll look at perseverance next week. And so I can say that I was saved and I am being saved and I can also say and you can also say irrespective of how long we've been saved <laughs> that we will be saved. You all got this? And how can we say that? Well we can say that because uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 9 reminds us that Jesus is coming again. And when he comes again, he is going to bring to completion salvation and fulfill all that has been promised in the gospel. And we will be saved. We even read about that earlier today. So we can say, I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. All of those things are reflected in the saving work of God that we understand as the logical ordering of salvation. Now, why have I gone through all of this? It is to say 
is to show this. And in verse 12, when the Apostle Paul says, speaks of salvation, he is referring to that part that I just described. He's, he's not referring to I was saved. He is referring to I am being saved. He is referring to the process of sanctification here in verse 12 in Philippians chapter 2. In other words, he's saying those who were saved are being saved presently in sanctification. It's clear that Paul is speaking about those who were saved now being saved in the process of sanctification because he begins the letter to the, to the Philippians this way to all the saints in Christ Jesus. That is, you're a saint because you're, you're, you are united to Christ in saving faith. You are justified and adopted. All, all that part of the order of salvation that is before sanctification has been a reality in your life. You're a saint. So he's writing to believers. He's writing to the saints. And in verse 12, it is clear as well because he speaks of my beloved who have always obeyed. So now work out your salvation. This exhortation to work out your salvation is not given by Paul to unregenerate people. It is given by Paul to regenerate people, to those who were saved and are being saved. The exhortation is to be understood in this way. Work out your own sanctification. So Paul, Paul's point here is to emphasize the believer is not passive in sanctification. The believer is passive in adoption. The believer is passive in justification. The believer is passive in regeneration and effectual calling. The believer is passing in the beginning of all of this election. But here in sanctification, the believer is not passive. Paul exhorts us, he exhorts the believer to work out, to strive for being sanctified. Anthony Hookema says something helpful. He says this, Paul is asking his readers to continue to work out what God in his grace has worked in. And what God has worked in is, are all those aspects of salvation that we have discussed previously and that you see on the chart on page 7 that are before sanctification. G.I. Williamson, all the guys who become officers here at Covenant know G.I. Williamson, don't you guys? <laughs> but he's incredibly helpful in so many ways. And he said this, sanctification is the, is the continuation of that which is begun in effectual calling and regeneration. Sanctification simply continues the nurture and development of that new nature which is brought about by regeneration and into operation by effectual calling. And as we look at our own confession, the Shorter Catechism, question 35, part of it describes the process of sanctification as being renewed in the whole man after the image of God because God has enabled that renewal and transforma transformation. And so Paul's point in verse 12 is to emphasize the believer's responsibility to work out or progress in sanctification. It is a process, as I said earlier, that spans the whole 
of the Christian life from justification and adoption all the way to we breathe our last breath and are transferred to heaven. And so we think of Don and Debbie that throughout their whole lives they struggled with sin. But Wednesday night about 9 and Friday afternoon about 2.14 their struggle with sin ended. And they were brought to heaven to be with the Lord. I cannot emphasize this more that the process of sanctification the battle and struggle with sin spans the entirety of the believer's life in this world this side of heaven but it will end and next week we'll look at perseverance where we will be encouraged that God will complete that which he has begun. Paul then moves from the believer's work in sanctification to God's work, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We go again to the sort of catechism, question 35, by the way, the catechism is in the back of your hymnal as well if, you, if you're interested. But part of question 35 describes sanctification as the work of God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God. So on the one hand, every believer has the responsibility to work, to progress in sanctification, verse 12. And on the other hand, it is God who works in the believer to sanctify, verse 13. Now, here's, it's important that we understand this. God's work does not suspend our work, nor does our work suspend God's work. It is not the case that sanctification means that there's been some deal struck with God where in sanctification God has a part, and in sanctification, the believer has a part. God does his part, and we do our part, and then together, we complete the project. No, that's not it. That's not what some mean when they speak about we cooperate in sanctification. There's not some deal that is cut that divvies up the responsibilities in sanctification. It is wholly the work of God, and we are wholly responsible to work. That's the point. John Murray says this concerning verses 12 and 13. God works in us and we work. But the relation is that because God works, we work. And this working of God is directed to the end of enabling us to will and do that which is well-pleasing to him. And I think Murray's right and helpful. So we can look at it this way. The real power source for our progressing in sanctification, our pursuing holiness and progressing in holiness is God's work in the believer. 
the phrase to will and to work for his good pleasure does point to the fact that behind, behind this is our work. But the fact of the matter is, why are we able to do anything that is consistent with God's will and a work that is for his good pleasure? It is because he has redeemed us. And when he redeems us, he gives us a new nature. He redeems our mind. He redeems our affections. He redeems our wills. He enables us to think rightly of him. He enables us to love him. He enables us to will to do the things that bring him pleasure, i.e. obedience. And so the point is that our work in sanctification is rooted in the power source, God's work. And that's what Murray was saying, and that's what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture. That redeemed will now governs, governs our behavior. And as we are redeemed, and the Holy Spirit is working, empowering us, then we are able to work to progress in holiness. But it all is based on God's work in us. Therefore, we must have faith in God to trust him, to go to him for all that we need to progress in sanctification. We see this in the passage that Bruce read earlier, Ezekiel chapter 36, that God gave us a new spirit that enables us to walk in obedience. We can say God has given us a new spirit, the spirit, to enable us to work out our sanctification. And we really see this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I mean, the real power source of sanctification is not our work, but God's work. And Paul says in, in, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only has God prepared our good works beforehand, but he also creates, his, creates us in Christ, makes us alive in Christ, that we will be enabled to actually pursue those good works that he has ordained. Do you see there the power source is God? And Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, again, this, I think of this prayer as a prayer of sanctification, Paul praying for the Ephesians, praying that they would be sanctified, teaching them sanctification, even in this prayer, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do more, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The power that is at work in us, that we may be sanctified, that we may be empowered, that we may know the love of Christ. The Christian life is about working out our obedience or our sanctification by faith, living in total dependence upon the true power source, living in total dependence upon God to provide all that we need that we might work out, that we might be empowered to progress in holiness. And then secondly, Paul says in verse 14, he exhorts the Philippians and us to do all things. And the all things to which Paul refers here are all things necessary for us to work out our salvation, for us to strive and grow in sanctification. And in verse 15, he shows us the goal of sanctification. In the context of Philippians here, the goal is to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. You might say that's another way of saying to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. But notice what Paul says in verse 14. As he exhorts us to do all things, to progress in sanctification by becoming more and more blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, he notes that we are blemished. He, he speaks of the fact that there are some who grumble and dispute, just examples of how believers struggle with sin. In other words, the believer who is working out their sanctification does so in the midst of the struggle with sin. And then he also identifies the fact that this struggle with sin is not only within, the sin that is within our own heart, but it is from without as well, that we live in a, in a crooked and twisted world, a fallen world. And so we are dealing with sin at some level, inwardly or outwardly, all the time over the, our lifetime as a saint here in this world. And then we need to identify the fact that the goal will never be reached. We will never be this side of heaven entirely sanctified. The Jamaican pastor that I, I mentioned earlier who believed that he had reached a state of sin, sinlessness, his view is simply contrary to Scripture. We all have blemishes. We are all at, in a warfare with sin. Romans 7 shows us that. We are, we are and always will be this side of heaven Treasures in cracked, chipped, and stained clay jars. But even given that, Paul is exhorting us to press on and to strive for the goal. He says this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And again, appealing to question 35 of the Shorter Catechism. I'll read the whole question now. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God 
and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. And so the doctrine of sanctification teaches the regenerate person is no, no longer the old self that is in bondage to sin. In Christ we are dead to sin. We are raised with him to a new life. We're a new person. We're, we're a new creation. Yes, we're no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6, 1 through 14, I'll just summarize. You can turn there, but I'll, I'll summarize Paul's teaching here. That because of our union with Christ, Paul says in verse 11, we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. In verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you. And in verse 6, because of union with Christ, our old self was crucified so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. And so the doctrine of sanctification teaches that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus because of being united to Christ. The doctrine of sanctification teaches that we are a new creation, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That old man, that old self has been crucified. It is dead. We're a new person in Jesus Christ. Sanctification teaches that. But sanctification also teaches this. What Paul says in Colossians 3, 9 through 10, that the believer is a new person, but also that believer has not attained a sinless state. That new person continues to struggle with sin and must continually be renewed. Pick this up. We, we pick this up in Paul's words from Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator and Paul there is focusing on the fact and that in Christ you are a new creation that needs to be renewed continually John Murray writes this deliverance from the power of sin secured by union with Christ and from the defilement of sin secured by regeneration does not eliminate all sin from the heart and life of the believer there is still indwelling sin and our assurance of confession today should convince us that there is still indwelling sin you may remember Derek leading us in this if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Again, G.I. Williamson, sanctification is the continuation of that which was begun in effectual calling and regeneration. If a person is united to Christ and adopted into his family, then he is dead to sin in the, in the sense that it no longer has dominion over him. It is not that he is sinless, but rather that he cannot go on any longer yielding himself as the servant of sin. He is, in fact, utterly at war with sin, even though it may at times manifest its power within him. Above all, he can never abandon himself to sin again. And the reason I read Williamson here is because I think a lot of Christians struggle with the fact that they continue to sin. 
and they fear that they might be overcome by sin again, that sin might completely dominate them. And the doctrine of justification or sanctification says we are a new creation in Christ. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. We are new. And though we struggle with sin, as Williamson said, above all, we can never abandon ourselves to sin again. When we are united to Christ, it is an irreversible union. The old man is gone. The old self is gone, and it cannot come back. We are a new creation in Christ. And brothers and sisters, I think we need to be encouraged with that reality today in the midst of our battle with sin. Not that we would go on sinning that grace may abound, which, by the way, is the Apostle Paul's point in Romans chapter 6 to refute that, but that the fact that God is sovereignly working in our lives with our sin, even to put sin to death in us, should encourage us that we will never go back to that old self and that we can fight with boldness by relying on the Lord and battle sin with a renewed energy and hope because it is God who is working that we might work. And then I want to just simply reflect for just a moment on be glad. God's work enables us to work and to do, and to do all to progress in holiness by more and more dying to sin and living unto righteousness. And Paul says, be glad. In fact, in verse 17, Paul speaks of being a drink offering. In the Old Testament, the Jewish context and the Greco-Roman context, a drink offering was wine that was poured out as an act of service to God or to, to illustrate a life that is being poured out for service to God. And Paul, Paul is saying here that, that he rejoices over the fact that his life is being poured out as a drink offering for the Philippians that they may progress in sanctification. In other words, he is rejoicing even if it means giving his life that the Philippians might grow in holiness. And the point that I want to make is that in the midst of all the, the messiness of sanctification, in the midst of our struggle with sin, we should be encouraged that we will never be abandoned again to sin, that we are dead to sin, that we are no long, sin no longer has mastery over us. We are alive in Christ. We have a new disposition to love God and to pursue holiness. And as a new creation, we struggle with sin, but we need to appreciate the fact that when we sin, it is contrary to who we are in Christ. And even in that struggle, it is occasion to be glad because it is evidence and it is part of God's sanctifying work in us, enabling us to put to death sin and to live unto righteousness. The doctrine of sanctification begins with God's work of creating us as new people, free from sin's dominion and alive in Christ. The doctrine of sanctification continues with God's work in us, enabling us to work out and do all to progress in sanctification, to put to death sin, 
and to live unto righteousness. The doctrine of sanctification teaches that God is transforming us and renewing us into the image, the likeness of Christ. And even our struggle with sin is part of his work to sanctify us. It is, and since it is God's work, we can be assured that he will complete it, as we'll consider next week. Sanctification is a process where the new person created by union with Christ is continually nurtured, enabled to more and more die to sin and live unto righteousness, grow in grace, and progress in holiness. And Paul says, be glad for that, pro pro that process in your own life and be glad for God's sanctifying work in the lives of your brothers and sisters. Sanctification is a cause for us to rejoice. And why? Because as we trust God, as we turn to him in faith, as we receive all that he has for us through faith, and we strive out of the power that he gives us, to work out and do all and be glad. Paul encourages us to consider this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. May we strive and may we be joyful over that transforming and renewing work that God is doing in his saints in the process of sanctification. Let us pray. Father, we do ask that you would strengthen our faith, that we would turn to you, that we would trust you, that we would rely upon your work in us, that we would be enabled to work out our sanctification, to grow in grace, and to grow in holiness. Father, I pray that you would show us that what you have begun, that you will bring to completion, that we will be transformed and one day we will be perfectly transformed into the image of Christ as we stand before him in heaven. Encourage us with the doctrine of sanctification, your work that enables us to work. In Christ's name we pray, amen.